Hello and welcome to our global S&OP community weekly podcast Brought to you by Ahmed Khalid and Ahmed Al-Hamamsi from Middle East Our global S&OP community podcast mission is to build a global community from supply chain, marketing, trade marketing, sales and finance all over the world Where everyone's voice could be heard and listened Every week we host a new episode with great thought leader in the S&OP industry. We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could open up the light in the screen of your consciousness and you'll never be the same again. We discuss hot and trending topics with our subject matter experts by asking the right questions that uncover their valuable experience in our show. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.com .co Stay tuned every week with our global S&OP community podcast. Our thought leader today is Melanie Jenford. So Melanie is a supply chain professional and supply chain consultant who is in love with supply chain planning and data analytics. Uh, her mission is to empower supply planners mainly to learn, be curious, and prepare themselves prepare themselves for the future of the supply chain. Uh, she has mainly uh, more uh, than 15 years of experience in supply chain planning in, in just uh, Bloomberg, mid, Midline, uh, Baxter Healthcare in Australia and Hong Kong. Now she is a supply chain consultant uh, with Logistics Bureau. Her areas of expertise in uh, supply chain, mainly in supply chain analytics, S and OP, demand planning, inventory planning, production planning, distribution planning, and definitely business process improvement. So may I ask you please to welcome with us today our great global thought leader today, Melanie. And before we go and just see her, let's give her the normal applause. Let us get things started about that uh, <laughs> carrying inventory and uh, what do you think about it, Melanie? Is it uh, like uh, a burden or is it a blessing or a curse to carry inventory? Uh, and what do you think about that? Your thoughts, especially uh, in the current situations that we are facing, how can we manage our, our inventory? Yeah, well, absolutely challenging times for the last two years. Uh, I think supply chain planning and inventory management in general is very challenging, but has been made more difficult with disruptions in both demand yeah. and supply. So, um, yeah, we've all got a difficult job, but there are some things we can do to try and help that process and, yes. and optimise as much as possible. Definitely. So just, Melanie, if you allow me, I'll ask you this question. And I think it's it, it was one of my challenges when I uh, was in supply planning. Uh, I asked myself, why do we care just about inventory? If I can just order one order and it covers me as much as I can, 
and I live in a very peaceful mood, you know, and I don't order frequently. Why shall I care about this? We need just to understand your experience about that because it was a struggle for me and I think also for most planners at the beginning of their career. Yeah, absolutely. Well, really, the, uh, the, the challenge with inventory is it comes down to three different aspects or three different topics. Number one is customer service and providing good customer service. So converting that inventory into revenue, which is yeah. important for the business. Secondly is cost. So of course, yes. with that, uh, with the inventory, there's there are cost in terms of acquiring the stock in the first place and then managing the stock ongoingly. And then that all comes together with the most important thing, which is cash flow. So really, mm -hmm. businesses can only, you know, companies can only stay in business if they have a healthy cash flow. And inventory is a critical part of that because we impact both sides. We impact revenue with having the stock available when we need. And we also it also incurs a cost. So it's our job to kind of manage those two aspects to provide, you know, good cash flow in, in the long term. So that's why it's so important that it's it's a, it's you know it's big picture and it's um really has to do with the success of the business really yeah definitely we we can relate to all what you're saying I like how you put it in three just points because when we entered like a supply chain everyone is just looking at his or her just you know function and nothing mm. after that and just connected from all aspects as you said that there are hidden costs beyond this as the, the logistics cost, I would say warehousing cost. When I have more inventory, definitely my cost per piece will be higher. And mm. it depends also on my cost structure, how it looks like if I'm working with a third party or if I'm owning my assets inside it. So all of those, it's it's a function on the inventory that I could carry. I could have it in one, one, uh, one shot, as I said at the beginning, but definitely, mm. as you said, also it will just uh, uh, dilute the margin or the revenue because mm -hmm. my supply chain cost will increase. And when yeah. supply ch chain cost increase, definitely in warehousing, uh, it will just also uh, dilute my margins. Another aspect, mm -hmm. as you said, which is if I have a perishable products or if mm -hmm. I have a products that they have like shelf life times, definitely, or just some challenges from the other side from the trade or from the, the, the sub distributors or distributors, I need to, to understand that these challenges and I should just order on these limits or thresholds from the other side. Because if I order, order any extra over and above the acceptable shelf life times or the acceptable range, definitely it will go into some obsolete stocks and it will cost mm. me a lot. Then it will dilute my margins, definitely. Uh, yeah. That's right, yeah. Thank you so much. Definitely, and I can I can relate when you are talking about different functions. And because we uh, were working together before me and Ahmed, I was on the demand side, he was on the supply side. So always <laughs> okay. the supply side was looking for the runners for uh, for something that he put in the production line, and it's easy to produce <laughs> and move quickly. So give me more orders from, for example, from, uh, A class uh, SQ or from. 
I'm telling them it doesn't work like this. So I'm looking at the demand of the market. <laughs> we cannot just produce from this and then stock, and then we don't get the orders. But uh, but definitely we, we reach some point where you have like uh, classifying the markets, the top markets. So you mm -hmm. produce for these top markets that uh, earn a lot of revenue. It, it's uh, you must uh, have communication, clear communication with supply, with the finance. Yeah. With with the different teams and uh, get to a formula uh, that you that you work on so that you have uh, uh, good managing of stocks and safety stocks that are okay not not too much uh, so to try to reduce the obsolete stocks and uh, and uh, and any kind of write-offs yeah and you picked you picked up on a really important factor there yes. around segmentation looking at yes. segmenting your products segmenting your customers and yeah there's i mean there's a whole bunch of different ways mm -hmm. we can segment our products and customers. So it's about um, choosing the best one for the, the situation and then always prioritizing the, the most important yes. SKUs and customers. 100%. 100%. Yeah. We have the, our friend, our brother Ahmad Musa. He is saying that we used to teach supply chain practitioners that inventory is the devil <laughs> and carrying <laughs> stock is heavily affecting the overall cost. That's even true from the learning perspective, definitely. And he's just sending something else. He's saying that, however, it's difficult time as of now. It seems that carrying stock is the best solution to mitigate the current risks. Is that really the best solution for short term? So I'll leave it to you, Dr. Melanie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I think at the moment it's necessary. You know, there's so much variability in demand and supply. Yes. Uh, I mean, yes, we need to hold some additional stock to cover that. I mean, it's very important to also project forward as well, uh, not just look at the short term, but sort of look at the long, longer term projections, do some scenario modeling based on, you know, best case, worst case situations. Yeah. But yeah, I think at the moment, um, it is uh, probably one of the best options is just to hold a little bit extra stock. And I know talking from clients, talking with clients that that's how people <laughs> are going, that they're, um, you know, prepared to hold a little bit of extra stock to cover that right now mm. definitely that's why i think it's it's all about about just balancing between the service level and yeah. the you that it's cost and benefits i would say it's all about about that so if you want a higher service level you need to optimize it definitely mm. if you forecast accuracy it's very volatile and you have a lot of errors definitely you have to focus on the, the demand side to understand what's happening on the other side but Till you fix this from the demand side, you have to build it in your supply side. Otherwise, you will, you will be out of stock mm. or just so it, you cannot take everything at, at, the, at the same time. So there is a cost and there is a benefits on the other side. If you want to have mm -hmm. cash, definitely. OK, let's focus on the SQs that it's bringing the most revenues or just fulfilling the business imperatives. But you will not be able to take everything at the same time. We are just living in a VUCA situation, VUCA life. So. It's admit on this, definitely. Yeah, so, definitely. And, and when we go to that, like we said, we need to uh, to segment uh, the markets and we need to be clear, I think, to the distributors and uh, to the markets that uh, some or to the market managers or to our representatives on those markets that com they communicate that there will be a, might be a delay in an order or something to to these markets that are small or these markets that are not representing uh, a high uh, par uh, high portion of the margin, for example. So mm -hmm. you must communicate that uh, clearly because if you don't uh, deliver on time, uh, you may lose the, the customer. So it must be a collaboration with the customer. 
100%. So if you allow me, I'll jump into the next question. Our friend Ahmad Qasim, he's asking how to manage carrying inventory versus inventory turnover. I think it's a very nice question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I would come back to model models, different options and then look for the uh, the option that is most appealing to, and acceptable to the business. So it's, it is a trade-off between holding too much, uh, you know, holding e extra stock and uh, having a low risk of running out versus having high turns. So I, I, uh, it, it, different industries have different sort of benchmarks in terms of yeah. uh, inventory turnover. So it's important to consider your, your, your specific organisation, your ind industry, and do some benchmarking with, with other organisations if you can. Definitely. I, I totally agree with you, Melanie, on that point. And I think also from managing carrying carrying inventory versus the turnover, just it's it's a KPI. But let's let's dig deep a little bit on the logical thinking beyond the inventory itself. Are we able, as you said at the beginning, uh, Melanie, that we have a segmentation inside our inventory? Like, what is our let's say safety stock for these products? What's the maintained safety stocks? What is our maintained cycle stock? What is mm. anything over and above this? This is the, the norm that we are maintaining. Anything over and above this, it will be overstock. But there is also another horizon over and above this. There is overstock that could be depleted. Okay, Because as I, I spoke at the beginning, maybe you have a, a perishable products and these products will be expired at a certain point of time. Maybe I have a high coverage over and above the, uh, the acceptable shelf lifetime or the balanced shelf lifetime for these products. And then you have some products, if I say about the overstock, you have some products, they have like uh, uh, just obsolete stocks that just pro most probably what does mean by obsolete stock that you have stock, but you neither have sales for a specific horizon or you have a focus on, on the coming horizon. So those, those products, you have to focus on it because eventually, it will hit your uh, margin in the PNL itself. And after that, definitely you have the expired stocks. So if you don't have this segregation on a product level or segmentation level inside your reporting system, if you don't have this visibility, I'm telling you, you will be blind. So it's again, mm. inventory turnover, inventory carrying, It's you just, just look at it from lump sum but you have to dig deep to understand what's going on. You have to take care about it. Why we have all of this overstock. Sometimes I'm telling you, sometimes we had some challenges because MOQ, MOQ mm -hmm. minimum order quantity can mm. cover you like 12 months. And we agree, no problem at all. And we come at the end of the, the, the shelf lifetime or just the, the life cycle of this. Why we order all of this? Just yes. give us one order, one order. And, <laughs> and then you will not have any order again because the stocks are there, definitely you have stocks, but you cannot use it. Why you cannot use it? Because the shelf lifetime is over and you have two choices. Either you will deplete this, accept it, or you have another order with the same supplier with another MOQ, which will dilute your margin again. So all of these things, you have to be just aware what's happening in your inventory. Otherwise, you'll not be able to do anything. Yeah, and I, I would add to that. I do a lot of modeling on uh, client data, and it's it, it's surprising what an impact minimum order quantity has on your overall inventory. So it's definitely something for everyone to watch out for is to to consider how much cover the, the MOQs actually are, because surprisingly, 
it really pushes up inventory significantly in a lot of organizations. Yeah. Uh, usually, usually I used to, when I used to work in a one organization, we would we wouldn't order if it's below minimum order quantity, and we would segregate and uh, consolidate. Uh, mm -hmm. from different markets till we till we get the orders from different markets cover one batch uh, we don't make uh, we don't make the order because usually this uh, goes to uh, to uh, obsolete stock or at the end of the day you sell this with uh, very huge discounts that uh, that, that yeah. cuts your profit so uh, we were like yeah, 90 95 percent strict on that to make no, no, not make the minimum order quantity or make the order with the minimum order quantity yeah <laughs> don't uh, <laughs> minimum order quantity for one market or consolidate from from different markets till we get to uh, to a batch till we get a demand or an order uh, uh, yeah 100 yes yeah. i think also this 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 quality of discussion itself it drives a real uh, actions that can help the supply chain because uh, i don't i don't think that many people they go and challenge the suppliers what is moq mm. it's just mm. moq this is moq but when it comes you ask that the supply chain or the planners why this is moq no because it's moq what's moq i need to understand what's moq I have many things in moq could be let's say a uh, full truck load uh, it could be full container load. It could be technical minimum technical batch. It could be many things in each and every move, movement that you have in supply chain nodes. So this clarity, if you have this clarity or this capability itself, you will be able to improve your supply chain. Otherwise, I will accept the status quo. And if I don't have this capability, again, I will come into the same mood that I have and I will have like some obsolete stocks. And I came ask myself, why do we have, why do we have? So instead of just being reactive, be proactive. Just have one shot. Yes. Take your stocks, understand where are you, segment it, take actions, and just understand where are you from that. All of, all of just not only lump sum, but look at it into, into details. This is the real inventory that you have to do. So if you allow me, we'll come and jump into the next question. Our friend Ashraf Aziz is ah, asking a good question. Yeah, I love it. Yes, kindly advise the simplest way to calculate safety stock with thanks. So, um, a lot of organizations will use a rule of thumb safety stock, they'll say two weeks stock, three weeks stock, whatever the number is. This is kind of an easy way of managing safety stocks, but it won't give you the optimum way of managing safety stocks. So for me, the next level up from this is to calculate using a safety stock formula that considers lead times, service levels, mm. uh, variation in demand to yeah. calculate an optimal safety stock uh, for, the, the, uh, uh, for the entire product portfolio and use that as a rule of thumb. And then beyond that, the, the optimum way of doing that is to have individual safety stocks calculated for each specific item in each location. So there's kind of like three levels of maturity in my mind, and it just depends on the organisation, the um, the systems and software that you're using will di di dictate which one you, you would use. Yeah. Definitely, I think Melanie, that's a great answer. But uh, and uh, I used this uh, before also in one of the 
companies before, we, we talk to the distributors and agree with the distributors that this is the level of safety stock per SKU. This is the number of days that we are going to have it at your end. And this is the number of days that we expect to have at, at our end. And we set this as a part of our agreement, even our CDA or part of the agreement as a uh, 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 a page uh, uh, clearly with uh, with which SKU and this and this SKU we're going to carry like 45 days this one is a fast moving so we'll carry like only 30 days and it goes to the level of, uh, of SKU and uh, because you know each distributor for example will put a quota I want to carry 1 million dollar for example for your company I want to carry for another company 2 million dollars <laughs> depending of the importance of, uh, of the client so you have to reach a deal that is a win-win situation between you and uh, and, and your distributors or sub-distributors. 100%. Yeah. Thank you, Ahmad Melani. Uh, we'll jump into our friends. Jose is saying aging inventory is a key element to monitor. Mm -hmm. Defi definitely. Thank you so much. Our friend uh, uh, Basim Hussam is saying hello, everyone. Thank you hello, so much Basim. for tuning in. Thank you. Our friend Kevin, mm. be aware that mm, Bolo <laughs> definitely. Thank you so much. Uh, our friend Abu Talib, amazing meeting. Thank you so much. I think this this quote or this phrase it's very nice from Ayman Sober. He's yeah. saying we can replace safety stock by lead time safety. I think it's it's very. If you allow me, I'll, I'll just jump into this one because we had also experience with that. Definitely, say there is a big difference between safety stock. And safety time safety stock it's a, a fixed quantity i would say and you can just mm -hmm. recalculate it from a time to time safety time it's most probably it's dynamic formula it's function in the forecast itself definitely it's it's good but you cannot use it like one size fits all because again if you have sqs or a product a products that they have a higher volatility or just coefficient of variation very high and the, the forecast accuracy for it it's very low. So if you rely on the demand itself, because let's say I have next month, second month, third month, 100, 100, 100. But actually, the history, I have 200, 200, 200 every month. If I rely on a safety time at this point, then I will consume everything just in one time, just two months in one month. Let's say I'm, so I'm assuming by this, by this way. But if you calculate the safety stock, you have a fixed quantity. Once you raise or just just go below the 200 itself, it will trigger the order point. So it's good, definitely. Safety stock, it can be good for some cases. And safety, safety time also can be good for some cases. You cannot just use one size fits all, definitely. And if you guys, just Melanie or Ahmad, if you want to add anything, please go ahead. Okay. So we have the other question Great. from Rahaf. Definitely. Thank you so much, Rahaf. She's saying, don't you think that the current disturbance we are facing making JIT mm. an invisible option, especially for FMCG business that has a variation, high variation in both supply, supply and demand? demand? Definitely. It's a very nice question. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, the... Uh, the impacts of low inventory or just-in-time lean inventory have been felt by a lot of companies. So, yeah, we're finding that companies are kind of moving away from wanting to have JIT or lean right now um, for, for all the reasons that you mentioned, actually. Mm. 
Definitely, we cannot have it like we, we, we must go for uh, classification and uh, segmentation, as we said, and as Ahmed was saying, like we're having uh, XYZ, for example, which Z is a high volatile product. You cannot work on a, just in time on it or, or the A class for now with all this uh, disturbance in supply and demand. You must have stocks. It's, uh, you cannot uh, work on, on GIT, I think, in the current situations and the wars and uh, and uh, <laughs> virus, the all the, we have a lot of uh, disruptions happening now. Hundred mm. percent. That yeah. with my due respect, also if you can, I, I, I just I put also my experience here. If we are as a supply chain, we are we need to work on just in time at a certain point of time, and our supply reliability for a specific supplier, it's endless. I would say, how come that we can rely on just in time? We are just lying to ourselves, definitely. So just in time, you can apply it with a reliable suppliers. You can think about this, but you cannot just apply it with everyone. And also, just in time, it needs too much just uh, uh, SRM and CRM from other sides. It's not only one way, because if you don't have uh, just the, the power or the emotions or the effort to invest with your suppliers and from the other side, also from the supplier to invest with you, the, the just in time, it will never work. It needs a lot of work, mm. huge work I, in that. Time. I think if I may add again, I think just in time was developed like from if I cannot, if I'm not mistaken, like with Toyota or big companies like in Japan that they had their suppliers, they had vertical integration with suppliers, and the suppliers was very close to the to the company and very close to the manufacturing site, so they could work with this uh, just in time. It was easier for them, uh, but. Uh, <coughs> When we came to practicality and with all the disruptions that's happened, like company dealing with thousand plus SKUs and have suppliers in China, have suppliers in different countries, with all what's happening, it's uh, it's. Uh, I think it it cannot it can never work as you as you're saying because the, the amount the number of variations and the amount of variations is huge. So. Mm -hmm. so, so it's it's not about theories again. Yes. Yeah, it's lovely mm -hmm. when we mm -hmm. read it from a book. When we read, read it from a book, when it comes to implementation, and we are all practitioners, when it comes mm -hmm. to implementation itself, it takes time, it takes effort. And if you don't know why you are doing this just in time and what will be the benefit for your business, then don't do it. What will be if you don't have the clarity on that? I'm telling you, don't do it. Because if you don't have these benefits very clear, then it's aimless. Okay, so I will jump I'm into the next question. Of, uh, thank you to the audience for having a lot of... Uh, Lovely, questions. very yeah. engagement today. It's yeah. high engagement. So our LinkedIn user, thank you so much for tuning in. So uh, he or she is asking, do you recommend uh, to overstock and secure customer demand or to stock out and survive the business bottom line? What do you think is better for people who work in short life cycle products like apparel or technology? That's a tricky question. Um, <laughs> what do you think, guys? <laughs> I, I love this question, honestly. Yeah. I love this question. But again, I think that, that just the, uh, the balance here, it's all about yeah. your cash flow. And do yeah. you have the capability and the ability to raise like a capital expense if you have a problem in your cash? Because what, what I'm saying now, secure or just customer demand. So you have a problem with your cash flow. At this moment, are you able to secure another cash flow from many sources or you have a limited cash flow, you have to secure it. But anyway, there is a cost and benefit. I would say it from, from that side. 
if my problem it's about the cash flow itself, then definitely everything here it will be related to the service level. I will dedicate everything for the service level. And what do I mean here by service level? I will focus on the SKUs or the products that will give me the most revenue or just what is my business imperatives. Could be like uh, focus for me, it's sales. Could be for me like a uh, profit. Could be for me like a uh, uh, margin. Because everything in, in that point, it has different, definitely different direction. So from that perspective, I would prioritize my service level on that level. And I will see how it looks like from the inventory level, how much I would carry. And then I would prioritize. I would say that it's like reservoir or something like this. You have to fill it by the right priorities that will move or just uh, uh, just achieve the business imperatives itself. And at the same time, you will not get out from this uh, level of uh, the cash that you have. This is just my advice. I, I, I echo your voice here. And I think also it's back to segmentation. I try to focus on my A-class fast movers, SKUs, and uh, uh, and uh, and run with them and uh, not to overstock from the B or, or C class that I'm expecting that they will not move uh, now at all. So again, it's uh, it's classification. So I need to focus maybe on the on the A class on the X uh, Y products so that they will move fast and the, I expect that the inventory and the cycle will move fast with these with these uh, products. So uh, definitely, I think it's classification and the country geographic and as you said, uh, financials. We need to focus on the countries uh, or, or the SQs that will get me uh, money at the end. Definitely. Mm -hmm. totally. So we'll jump into the next question. Mm -hmm. We have our friend Islam Abu Khalil. He's saying that how to minimize the bullweb effect in current condition. Specifically, it will cause a lot of inventory to be hauled. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, bullweb is a an issue going on in companies right now. Um, really, the best way to to deal with it is just to, in my view, is just to stay calm. Don't make knee-jerk reactions and decisions that could impact you down the track, whether that is just to cut off purchasing. You know, if uh, companies kind of are tempted to just stop purchasing if they're in an overstock position without considering that in three or four months' time, their service level will suffer. So my advice is to um, stay calm, model different scenarios, and then make decisions based on good information from those that you get from those scenario modeling, especially now in, in the turbulent times. So um, yeah, make, uh, in this modeling, you have to, you'll have to make assumptions and that's okay as long as you record the assumptions and you can go back and review and, um, it, did those assumptions come true? And you know, um, as you um, each month go through and, and refine your analysis and decisions based on those new information. Hundred percent. If you allow me, please. Yes, please. Thank you, Melanie. <laughs> Great answer. Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Melanie, for this. Uh, I think we'll jump into the next question. We have Tor, our friend, Tor uh, Aglan. Thank you so much for tuning in. He's saying for A-class SQs, what is optimal? Having high safety stock or high coverage? 
So they're uh, all linked, actually. So safety, as as Ahmed said earlier, there's two components to inventory: there's safety stock and there's cycle stock. So when we talk about A-class items, we often want to hold uh, stock to cover a higher service level. So that means that our our safety stock will be higher than other codes with a lower safety with a lower target service level. So they're kind of linked, but yes, generally we want to. Um, hold higher safety stocks of A-class items compared to Bs and Cs. Yes. Thanks. Thank you, uh, Melanie. He, our friend <coughs> Kevin, is saying any safety stock value must take into account the MOQ for the reason mentioned. Great discussion. Thank you so much for tuning in. So another question from our friend Ashraf Aziz. He's saying, Melanie, from your perspective, what's the most important inventory KPI? <laughs> it's a nice one. Uh, yeah, so inventory KPI, uh, I mean, stock turns or days of forward cover, something like that. So I would recommend measuring that, but uh, it's important to know what you're measuring against. So what is your target? And definitely your target should not just be a number that's plucked from the air really it should be based on modeling to say well what is right for your organization and your inventory holding is always just based on all the structure of your supply chains and all your inputs and that gives you a number that you can work towards being your target so in terms of inventory i would say inventory turns uh, and then obviously the other side of that is customer service and yeah looking at uh, product availability is a good is a measure of uh, how well you're planning you know mm -hmm. do we have stock on the shelf when we when we, when we want so that's a, a good customer service kpi for, for planning purposes and then for logistics it's more diefot do we deliver in full and on time yes Definitely. yes thank you so much melanie I think we have another question from our friend, the Gab Morali. Thank you so much for tuning in. He is saying, is inventory tracking in pastel software effective in tracking and managing stock? I'm not sure uh, what's pastel. Yeah. I did not use pastel. Have a look into that. Maybe it's software, some software. Yeah, it's a software, but uh, did you uh, use it before, Melanie? I haven't actually. No, I'll have a look after this. But I think yeah, we'll take a look at it if we, if we try, if we know someone who used it or something, uh, definitely we will come back to you. Uh, uh, we'll have it after. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for questions. Yes. Our friend Marwan, he is asking, what is please the standard frequency for wow, updating safety stock? I think it's very uh, nice. No, I think we had this question on, on, our, yes. on our questions. So Marwan, thank you so much. <laughs> I think he read it. He read it. Thank yes. you, Marwan. <laughs> so it really depends. For me, it depends on the on the business. So if you have very stable business, you can get yes. by with uh, reviewing safety stock less, you know, relatively infrequently, maybe twice a year. I mean, at an extreme. Uh, but as you know, your business is more variable. We we should review it more often. Uh, generally, maybe what, every one to two to three months as a minimum, there are some safety, uh, some software that actually dynamically calculate the safety yes. stocks every time they run. So yes. um, it just really depends on your business and the software that you're using. Yeah. But somewhere um, between those ranges. If you allow me, I'll, I'll, I'll add something here also, Melanie. Uh, I think 
frequency, as you said, that if the business is stable, so I think the number, the just the duration could be just higher or just can increase the duration itself. I'm looking at perspective where uh, if you have a repetitive service level challenges, if you have a repetitive service level challenges, I'm not talking about supply or just demand, but if SQs that I have always demand related, I would say, and even supply related, then there is some some challenges here. I need to dig deep in that point. I don't just leave it for three months. I could say after three months, you mm. can change your safety stock or six months. But if I have a repetitive just every month, I have challenge where I have X orders and I fulfilled 50% for these orders. I need to understand what's happening here. Is it even even it's a demand related then and this demand rate is not fixed. Then I have to build this in my modeling in safety stock. And if there is it's supply, I need to understand why there is a supply issues. So don't just wait for three months, four months, because again, we were in the same challenge before. Just don't wait for a specific yeah. period and then go and update. If you see something that doesn't make sense, go and update the safety stock or the safety time itself and speak directly. Because again, I put myself in the other hand, speak directly that with the supplier or just based on your supply network. Because if you update your safety stock or safety time one time, it will just demand higher net requirements. And if you cannot fulfill it, then it will disrupt all your supply chain network. So before just updating your safety stock or having it higher in one day, you have to understand, will you be able to fulfill this unconstrained demand that you want or not? This is just my uh, my view, I would say, from mm -hmm. practical uh, practical point. So we'll jump into the next yes. question. We have many questions today, yeah? <laughs> I don't know if we'll cover them all, but definitely we'll try to cover whatever we can. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully we have. We, uh, we, we definitely uh, have our uh, Melanie uh, contacts and our contacts, and we'll try to cover and answer the questions even after we finish hopefully. this episode. Definitely, Hamza. Thank you, Melanie, and thank you, Ahmed. So, LinkedIn user saying that uncertain times organ organically force supply chains to isolate weakness and strengths of the supply chain. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, LinkedIn user. Thank you. Our friend Basim Hussam, he is saying, balance game between service and cash becomes more aggressive. What's your advice in post-COVID days? It's a very nice question. Well, I, I mean, we are sort of getting through COVID, but then we have other global supply, potential global supply chain issues with situation, you know, um, situation in Ukraine. So I think that we are still kind of going to be experiencing uh, supply chain disruptions for a time to come. Yes. Um, I think once we once we get through all these disruptions everyone will, will be very will have a lot of learnings about how to deal with uh is these issues so hopefully one day when it becomes a little bit more calm it will i mean everyone will just be able to relax and <laughs> it'll just be easy compared to what people have been through over the last couple of years but i think i think the important thing is that that uh we, we uh we, we don't necessarily want to go back into lean and jit but Probably there will be some pressure to do that because people will want to reduce inventory again. But I mean, having that redundancy of a little bit of extra stock in a network is not a bad thing. 
So I would suggest just trying to resist the, the temptation to um, go lean, fully lean, uh, yes. after COVID and everything else. Definitely, yes. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you. So we'll jump into the next question. Our friend uh, Diamond Saber. Yes, he's, he's saying, saying that with, uh, with turbulent global logistics, I think all solutions become very difficult. You can't build safety stock and keep it on the stock for longest time. Also, you can't be sure you can replace your consumed stocks in required time. Good comment, uh, Ayman. Thank you. Thank you for it. Again, it's, it's what Ayman Saber, I think, mm -hmm. touched a point in a very hot topic, I think. Yeah. Now, again, I keep saying this and repeating this every day because this is the, the trend that's happening. If you want to move from this challenge that you have from managing inventory. So you have to shift your mind, your supply chain strategy from going globalization into localization. Are you just willing to invest time and develop your suppliers to find real local suppliers at your tiers, first tiers to just avoid all of these challenges, all the challenges that you have in your variation and your demand? Will it be absorbed from the other side, from the supply? Because your lead time will be drastically going down. So mm -hmm. moving from uh, a centralization to decentralization, I'm talking even from uh, a global companies or a multinational companies that they are having a global scale. You will see that they change drastically the source that 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 the sourcing strategy that they are using. They moved from a centralization methods into decentralization methods. Because they understand after post-COVID-19 or just during COVID-19, our supply chain is very, uh, uh, not, not I would say, I, don't, I wouldn't say resilient, but it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable. At any time, mm -hmm. you could have mm -hmm. disruptions and it would, could take you out of the market and you'll not be sustainable again. So most companies, they moved from a centralized supply chain into decentralized supply chain because they start to understand that a value of having a localization. Everything is in your your, your hand. So it's controllable. I wouldn't say 100% controllable because even if you have a localization, if you have a local supplier, you have multiple tiers, it will be also important. But at least you will be able to cater for and it gives you time because of the buffer stocks that you have. You will be able to take decision in, in, in just in a short time or a medium term time. So again, it's it's just moving. If you want to overcome all of these challenges of holding inventory, you have to shift your sourcing strategy. Definitely. So yeah, I'll jump into the next question. Our friend Camille Cohen. Yeah. So much disruptions and uncertainties we experience in the world today has called for a rethink of concepts. Again, GIT. In practice, it calls for a lot of investment and capabilities. It seems almost impossible. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you, Camille Cohn. Thank you so much for this adding value. Our friend Kevin is saying that it could be also the highest margin items as well. Those needs yes. to have a very high availability. Definitely. Yes, definitely. Kevin. This is what we're talking about financially. We should manage it and think about it financially. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kevin. Jump into the next question from our friend Khaled Dusari. He is saying thank you so much, definitely, Khaled, for tuning in. And he's saying thank you for the valuable insights. Question, 
Have you used solvers in optimizers, optimization like linear programming, non-linear programming? If so, how? Uh, yeah, so I've used it a bit in terms of like um, optimizing inventory. So mm. you can do it for optimizing inventory, reducing costs, um, get, looking for the minimum costs in terms of the distribution network and so forth. Um, again, it gives you the optimum, the, the linear programming gives you the optimum solution. So there's no redundancy in there. Um, <laughs> but it, it is good to see what an optimum solution looks like. Uh, so that you can work towards it, but not necessarily try and be fully optimized. It's my, my view. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Melanie. So I have much. another question from our friend Kevin. He's saying, Melanie, what is the biggest misconception when it comes to inventory yeah. optimization? I would say that it's about inventory, inventory optimization is often thought of as inventory reduction, but mm. it doesn't necessarily mean reduction. You know, we want to. But for some yes. items, you might have to increase stock. Yes. So I, I think that's probably the biggest misconception for me. I that's totally always... agree, agree with you. That's, that's a good answer. Because uh, the cost sometimes of uh, lost sales opportunities may be higher than the cost of uh, carrying inventory. So for some items, uh, you don't want to lose uh, a place to competition. You don't want to lose market share. So it's okay to, to carry from these like strategic uh, SQs uh, that we say or A-class SQs that we don't, we cannot afford uh, losing the market share to our competitors in these uh, categories. Yes, 100%. And uh, I think also it opens some points here, which is uh, if at the beginning, let's come at the beginning, if you talk to the management or the leadership or the executive that you need to increase something in the inventory itself, it will be a real challenge for them, definitely, because everyone is looking for the cash still. But just we have a very, very, <laughs> it's easy solution. Just dig deep, again, at the beginning, as we mm. speak, that understand what is the segregation of your inventory. Again, how much you are carrying, and you'll be surprised from, uh, I read like an article, uh, like, Three months ago, most companies, I speak about FMCGs, most companies that they have like uh, the inventory, the, the inventory itself, they are carrying like the average that they are carrying overstock and obsolete stocks from 30 to 40% from the, mm. their inventory. So if we are carrying 30 to 40% from our inventory itself, it means that still we have something inside that we need to focus on. So if we focus on those, challenges and we have a lost tree understanding what are the challenges i'm not talking about all the SKUs or all the products but pick that 80 20 80 percent that you can mm -hmm. focus on the count less count but understand the root cause itself and if you focus on those SKUs and start to drive actions itself your inventory will go down and you will be able to just replace it by the right uh, parameters or the right SKUs that will give you the higher service level so don't look at again from a top line or zoom out view and say, no, this is what we need to have. You have to understand how it will be projected and by when we can go back and optimize our inventory and the service level at the same time. That's so great. I'll jump into the next question. Yes, please. Our friend, Dr. Abdul Manam, thank you so much for tuning in. He's asking how to improve the forecast accuracy, especially with the fluctuating demand periods. It's a very nice question. 
Yes, <laughs> definitely, Tarek. It's a, it's a good it's a good one. Yeah, if I can take this uh, one from my experience and, and demand, uh, you have to measure, of course, and you have to uh, segment again your products, uh, ABC and XYZ. You have to understand uh, uh, what the seasonality of the products. You have to understand the industry as uh, as a whole, and to take a deep dive uh, and to understand uh, all what what's happening in the market. Uh, what's happening for your product SQ uh, level measure and and you have to uh, as you go it will never be of course the accuracy uh, focus uh, we know is always wrong so you need to improve the accuracy as you're going you're measuring you're saying what's the bias the negative bias positive bias uh, what's what's happening with the, with the accuracy and put a factor for uh, for this uh, kind of bias of uh, uh, that's that's happening and try uh, try to improve the forecast. For now, as I talk to several people and consultants, uh, focus on the A class for now. But in this time of fluctuating, you need to hit the the high accuracy and the A class. Of course, depending on the industry, if you hit like 80, 90 percent accuracy in the A class, you're on the safe uh, side. But uh, don't look even at the B or C class now uh, with, with the current situation that we uh, we are having. Uh, most people are focusing only on the on the A class to improve the accuracy of the A class. Mm -hmm. Melanie, what do you think? Do you have, uh, oh, I think you yeah. Spot on. I yeah, can't add yeah. anything. Well, that's a great answer. <laughs> so, thank you. So, so if you allow me, I'll add something also here, just a little bit also from experience. Our podcast, it, it's S and OP, right? So I'll talk from this perspective, yes. if you allow me. So as Hamamzi said, you, you should look at it from different angles. And my advice, again, if you want to uh, just improve the forecast accuracy, and definitely forecast accuracy, it's... Uh, calculated on SQ level, whatever the, the planning level that you're taking it um, could be at a country geographical, whatever level that you're having it or based on your distribution model, definitely will be at SQ level. But now the question mm -hmm. that we need to ask ourselves, if we, if we have a company with a big portfolio, very big portfolio, 1,500 SQs, uh, how I would be able to cater for this amount of SQs? And the interesting thing that you will have that if you let's let's segregate in two parts sq and the granular level that you will speak about inside the s and op and let's say that i'm uh, my focused accuracy it's mainly on sq level right i'm calculating the errors on sq level but definitely your discussion inside s and op it's not sq level it's you're picking the forecasting unit that you're talking about then let's definitely speak let's say it's family level or format level, you will be surprised and shocked that if you just focus on the quality of discussion inside S and OP on this forecasting unit between the sales and supply chain marketing, trade marketing, if you fix this level, definitely that this aggregate level on SQ level will be definitely enhanced. But don't look at it from just SQ level blindly. Look at it from which challenge that we have. If you have a, ch a channel that I'm always having like a bias challenge, accuracy challenge, go and fix this discussion inside S and OP. Because if you look at it from a total national level, SQ level, I'm telling you, you will be annihilated. So go and fix, understand it at a higher level. Once you fix this at a higher level because of the, the history or baseline promotion phasing itself, at this level, you will be able to 
cater for the the just the accuracy of the forecast. I'm telling you from experience. Definitely great one, Ahmed. Great addition. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we have our friend Dr. Raja. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our friend Raja is saying, do you think supply chain disruptions are pushing companies to have a vertically integrated supply chain? It's a very nice question. Well, I, I mean, it's it's a good solution, isn't it? So and so whether it's uh, vertically integrated or whether it's you're sourcing locally to reduce yeah. you know your lead times and reduce your risk, it's, it's definitely one um, or two ways you can um, deal with the disruptions of late. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes. Spot on, uh, Raja Ali. Thank you for, for this. Thank you so much, Raja, for this lovely one. So I'll jump into the next question. Our friend Ashraf Aziz is saying, kindly advise best metrics for warehouse capacity planning. I think it's it's nice question. It's, it's a nice question. But uh, it's out of the inventory, but we can discuss it after if you allow us ashraf and i'll send you yeah. maybe an article after this uh this podcast if you allow us i'll park it aside because it's very big on warehouse, yes. management warehouse system. capacity planning yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 it's a very it's a big, big one. topic but thank you ashraf yes. really great questions today thank you so much ashraf so uh i'll jump into the next question from Laila Shaban, thank you for tuning in. She's asking, she's saying, thank you for the valuable discussion. Need your advice how we can use the CRM data as a forecast input rather than replying solely uh, on a demand estimated for a given product in a given period. Thanks in advance. Uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, it's around converting that information into in the CRM into numbers specifically. Yeah and then incorporating that into the baseline statistical forecast that you start you know your month with off with um for your monthly demand planning cycle so uh i mean you can there are ways to automate that or you can look at doing it you know as part of a review and inputting it into the forecast that and, and yeah also. definitely it can be an input coming from marketing sometimes uh, from mm. their uh, from the side comes from uh, uh, they have customer relationships sometimes in some industry softwares and they are working with, uh, I'll speak from my experience also, they're working, for example, with, uh, with patients, with number of, uh, of, uh, of visits to, to patients, for example, in pharmaceuticals, and then you are trying to, 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 to put this data on uh, and converting it to numbers. And, and and shares and then putting this in the baseline so yeah it can it can work but needs a high degree of collaboration it needs maybe the a high level of maturity in the organization that you can do this every month and uh, and link between the the crm software and any kind of forecasting uh, uh, also software that you're using definitely thank you ahmed thank you melanie we have our friend uh... Shams Din is saying good Thanks, session Shams. and good subject. Thank so you much. so much, Shams. Our friend Ahmed Ramzi, thank you for tuning in. He's asking how to make sure that the, the my inventory is optimized. What measure or reference to make sure my inventory is optimized? So as I mentioned before, I, um, you, I would suggest modeling your theoretical inventory level based on your, <coughs> the setup of your supply chain and comparing that theoretical level to your actual level. And you will see whether it is um, 
whether it is close to being optimized based on your current setup. There are some, um, beyond that, you can look at the way that your supply chain is set up um, and, and look at optimizing the, the different aspects of the of of those um, supply chain setups, so looking at your your network setup, the number of warehouses is is really um, integral in the the amount of stock you have to hold. The more the more warehouses you have, the more stock you have to hold um, all yeah. over. So look at network, look at your range, whether you stock your products at every single warehouse that pushes up your inventory. Look at your forecast accuracy, looking at your target service levels. Um, your lead times as well, and your replenishment cycles. So they're all the inputs into your supply chain structure. And if you wanted to optim, you could look at optimizing those some of those different aspects to fully optimize your inventory. If you are low, if you are low. <laughs> thank you melanie definitely again it's lovely discussion and i think it's very obvious from the engagement that we have today it's um, a great session i think yeah from the very audience i didn't course, i didn't from, feel the time by the way from, it's uh, very from, very nice discussion from the questions a lot of questions we received and melanie of course from their experience she answered perfectly a lot of uh, great uh, questions Yes, Melanie, we would like to thank you. I know that uh, you wake up very early for us because you want to add a lot of values to our audience and definitely for ourselves. We would like to thank you for uh, just giving us your valuable time and your valuable experience. We keep saying this. It's uh, a knowledge and experience that we will never find in the books. Uh, yes. So we'd like to thank you and we'd like also to thank all the audience and Ahmed for being here today. Hopefully that we can have another episode with yes, another topic the, with your great experience I, I think we covered most of the questions but definitely if we have more questions we'll try to answer our, our audience so thank you all for tuning in today for this great episode and thank you melanie have have a great day today thank you so thank much you. thanks everyone that's great thank, thank you. you thank you melanie. thank you melanie. thank you Bye. thank you for listening to our global s and op community podcast we hope that you have absorbed some values from this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to be notified every week with the new episode. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.co or ahmedkhaled.co. We believe that one word, one story or one conversation could transform your life. Stay tuned next week with a great thought leader in S&OP. Have a wonderful week ahead.